It is good to be with you again this morning as the Apostle John would write in John chapter number 20 that Jesus did many other signs in front of his disciples which are not written in this book. And, and as you go to the very last verse of that particular book, chapter number 21, verse number 25, John will even say that if, suppose we were able to write all of the things down that Jesus did, that the world itself would not even be able to contain the books that would hold the events of Jesus' life. Men and women were drawn to Christ because they had questions. And you know, as you and I look around our world today, we all have questions uh, we have so many these days. Do I have this virus? How long is school going to be out? When will school be back in? Can school be back in tomorrow? What if we've had school this afternoon? Can they just go somewhere? I'm tired of having them in the house. All of those kinds of questions everybody's going through. As we looked with Michael last week, uh, we looked at the idea of making the right choices and being positive and staying uh, focused in on God. This week I thought it would be profitable for us to turn that coin over and look at a man who may not have made and did not make uh, the right choice. This is a ruler of the Jews, a young fellow who is rich, who has questions. As a matter of fact, you can find him in Matthew chapter 19, Mark chapter 10, and also in Luke chapter 18. If you'll turn over to Luke chapter number 18, we're going to see one of the events in the life of Jesus the Christ that God thought it necessary for us to read and to understand. Beginning in verse number 18 of Luke chapter 18, here's what you'll read. And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good save one, and that is God. Thou, thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and mother. And he said, All these have I kept from my youth up. Now, when Jesus heard these things, he said, Yet lackest thou one thing, sell all that thou hast, and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have tre uh, treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, How hardly shall they have, that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? For it is easier for the camel to go through the needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they that heard it said, Who then can be saved? And he said, With uh, things which are impossible with men are possible with God. And it's interesting as you and I read this, we need to take a side note right here. It was never, ever acceptable, verse 19, to ever go to a rabbi and say, good rabbi. They would have absolutely lost their minds. 
Here's the reason why. Jesus gives the reason in verse number 19. He said, why do you call me good? Because there's nothing good except for God. As a matter of fact, these rabbis in that day would have associated the same way uh, as this rich young ruler did, that, that you're calling me good, therefore you're making me equal with God. And it's interesting that Jesus would say that to him and say it that way because he is acknowledging the understanding of this man who comes to him and says, I know that you're calling me good and I know that you're acknowledging that I'm God, that I, that I hold the deity of God here on this earth. So it's necessary you and I understand that idea before we go any further because if, if that man there does not understand the deity of God, why does he come to this particular teacher and ask him what he should do to be obedient to God? Why does he not go to any other teacher? Because they would have said, just keep the commandments. And he could have gone home and been real happy and said, man, I've been doing those all my life. I've been keeping those commandments all of my life. So I'm good. So as he reads and he understands, or as he speaks to uh, Jesus the Christ, he comes to him and says, Good master. Why callest thou me good? There's only one, and that is God himself. I want you to notice this man. This man, first of all, went to the right source. Look at verse number 18. As you and I read and have read, here's what we read. Certain men asked him, Jesus, what am I going to do? He went to the right source. He didn't go just to any of, of the uh, rabbis of that day. He didn't go to anyone he could have just found an answer with. As a matter, matter of fact, in Mark chapter 10, verse 17, Mark will record that he ran to Jesus and knelt down in front of him. Almost, uh, if you read it, almost as if he would have knelt down and grabbed his hand and, and sort of pressed his, the back of his hand up against his head as if to say, uh, bless me and tell me how I can be faithful to God. He ran up to him. He knelt down before him. And he asked him the greatest question a man can ask. Today, we need to go to the right source. It is possible to have questions about this life and go to the wrong source. Uh, I have been the, the wrong source for my children on questions a lot. Um, not, not on anything really that matters, but just because I think it would be funny, I, I would tell them crazy things. Uh, for example, did you know that ladybugs taste like chocolate? just to see what they would do. That's not the right source to go to. Here he goes to the right source. We can find all kinds of answers all over the world for any question we want. That does not make them exactly right. Matter of fact, they could be completely wrong. Why don't you go back and look at Jacob in the life of Joseph. In uh, the, the early portion of, of Joseph and Jacob's life, around uh, chapter 36 of, of uh, the book of Genesis, jo uh, Joseph is put into a hole and is sold into slavery, and that coat is taken back to the father. You know, those brothers didn't say a word. They just brought in this coat, and it's full of blood, and he said, an animal has attacked Joseph and killed him. And, and they never even 
blinked an eye. They never changed his mind on those things. Matter of fact, the Bible will tell us that he lived a long portion of his life believing that Joseph was dead. Was he? No. But that's what he believed. That was the source he went to, and no one ever corrected him. Today, it is imperative, especially as you and I look in things in the spiritual realm of this world, that you and I go to the right source. You and I have friends. We have family who have gone to the wrong source, and yet they believe everything is okay. I have a fam family member who has said, God and I are just fine. And they're not. They're worlds apart. Oh, he believes that. He thinks that. Yet they are worlds apart. It is necessary that you and I go to the right source to ask these questions. Look at verse number 18. He goes down, he kneels before Jesus the Christ, and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This rich young ruler asked the right question. We can look around our society today and see all kinds of needs. Have you been to Walmart here lately? Have you been to Walmart needing toilet paper here lately? Best of luck to you and yours. Hopefully you don't need that. But if you do, you're going to be hurting. We have all kinds of needs. We have needs uh, for our physical body. We have needs for our emotional state. We have needs uh, that, that probably other people don't even know. And, and we have uh, medical needs. And, and all of those things pale in comparison to man's greatest need. This rich young ruler asks the question that... that uh, faces man's greatest need. What must I do to inherit eternal life? You know, if I am faithful unto God, and I starve to death over the next two weeks, you know what I've gained? Everything. If I am faithful to God and I get in a car wreck leaving here and I die today, you know what I've gained? Everything. Oh, we do have physical and emotional needs here, but the greatest need, the greatest need was asked by this man, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You know why? Because this world is not going to last forever. It was not designed that way. As a matter of fact, let me show you how smart you think I am. There is the law of, the second law of thermodynamics. Any of you like thermodynamics? You know what it says? How many of you have a watch that looks similar to this one? This one runs on a battery. But back when watches were watches, you used to have to twist this little knob on the side. And that would do what? Wind it up. It would keep that thing running, wouldn't it? The, the second law of thermodynamics basically says this. Everything is winding down. Our world's not getting better. It's kind of wearing out, and eventually God will tell us it will burn up. 
I no longer at that point have any needs of the physical. But yet man's greatest need is still out there. How can I be saved by God? What a great question this rich young ruler asks. Notice this. He goes to the right source. He asks the right question. And verses 20 through 22, he is given the right answer. Notice verse 20. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor thy father and mother. And he said, all these have I kept from my youth up. Now, when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, you lack one thing. Sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, come and follow me. And you'll have treasure in heaven. Do you notice Jesus did not list all ten of those ten commandments that were given to Moses in, in Exodus chapter 20? He listed about five, four or five of them, and he's mentioning those to say, you know what to do, keep the law of God. Keep that law. And that, in verse 21, is where that young man stood up a little more straight, popped his collar, and said, I have done all of those things. You know, I don't think that young uh, ruler was lying to him. I think he probably had kept all of those things. I think he probably had done all of those things. And yet, he was distracted. He was still distracted by something. He was still looking for something else. Some people in our world are distracted by family. And unfortunately, some are not. Some are distracted by what the stock market is doing or, or what uh, everyone around us is doing or what my peer group thinks about me. This rich young ruler was distracted by money. Not only just money, because money really doesn't mean anything. Look right here. All right, right here. Sorry for you on the camera there. Right here, I'm going to put $3 on this Lord's Supper table. Now, you guys keep your eye on that and tell me what it does. Because realistically, just looking at just the paper of it, it's neither good nor bad. His distraction was not paper cut into rectangles that say one or 100 on them. His distraction was the pursuit of money. It is the, the long for more money and never having enough. As a, matter, as a matter of fact, Solomon would write this, you can have as much silver as you want and it'll never be enough. Never going to be enough. What if I were to give you a wheelbarrow load full of $100 bills? Would you take that? Or would you rather have a semi-truck full? Oh, wait, wait a minute. Well, I didn't know we got a choice. Well, if I'm giving it to you, does it matter? His distraction was, how else can I get some more? That, that may not be me. Look, take two. That may not be my distraction today, but I have some. You have some, don't you? Sure. We all get distracted from time to time. His was... He needed some more money. What distraction do I need? 
or do I have that I need to put down? You know, in verse 22, that's the only request Jesus has for him. This is not a request for Christians in the general term to say, you must be poor. Jesus is saying to this man, in order to follow God, he's got to be first. There's a difference. He wasn't first. He was given the right answer. He went to the right source. He asked the right question. So, preacher, everything was right, okay? Right? That's right? Oh, oh, not so much. Let's continue reading. After going to the right source, after asking the right question, after getting the right answer, he made the wrong choice. This is the only man I can find in the record of the New Testament. The only one, now, now learn this lesson, who walked away from Jesus sorrowfully. The only one I can find. You know what his choice was? I'll show you what his choice was. He wanted to stay with the distraction. He was not willing to give it up. So he made the wrong choice. And he walked away from Jesus the Christ sorrowfully. And he missed some of the greatest portion of this particular account of Jesus' life because he walked away. He was living in the idea of hope that's found in Luke chapter 12 and verse number 15. A certain rich man's ground brought forth plentifully. You know what that rich man said? I've got so many things. I've got so much left over. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Whew, what I'll have to do is I'll have to tear down my barns and I'll have to build bigger barns because I may be the world's greatest gardener ever. You know, in Luke chapter 12, you know what that, that guy never, ever thought of as we look at that particular segment? He never thought of helping out anybody. I wonder how wide his corners were on, that, on the, the edge of his fields there. You can tell how much a, a man in the Old Testament looked out for other people with how wide his corners were. I've got to keep them... God said, I have to keep the corner, so I'm going to get just as close as I can and maybe leave one stalk on the edge. You have other men who just barely get the circle of the inside of their fields. wonder how wide his was. This guy lived in the hope of where's the next dollar coming from. He's the one who, in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 9, where Paul would write, for those who would be rich, those who were looking after what? else they can get. Go back to uh, Luke chapter 15. As he walks away, Jesus says, boy, it's got to be hard for those who trust in riches, those who are distracted by riches, those who, who would be rich to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Verse 25 is probably one of my favorites in the Bible. One, because it's written from Luke's perspective, whose background was physician. But two, because of, of the words that he uses. Uh, he said, it's easier for a camel to go through the needle's eye than for a rich man or those who are seeking after riches 
to get to heaven. And you say, well, preacher, I've heard that there is a, a small gate in the, in the wall at Jerusalem called the, the, the needle's eye, and it was so small that barely a man could walk through, and certainly not a camel. He'd be too tall and too wide. I, I've heard that too. I don't know if that exists or not. But I'm going to tell you, that's not what Luke wrote. When Luke writes this, and keep in mind the, the background that he has, what he is writing is this. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a surgeon's needle. Now, that's a whole different animal right there. Through the eye of a surgeon's needle than it is for those who were seeking after riches to go to heaven. And in my mind, when I read that, I, I see somebody trying to shove a camel through a needle's eye. Can you imagine the impossibility of that? Can you look at that and go, that may be the silliest thing I've ever heard of. No one could ever do that. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the point. You can't do it. You can't love one thing and follow after God. You can't be focused on now and be focused on eternity at the same time. Here you have a man who was focused completely on the next dollar. And he said, but I've kept all the laws. Really? You know which law Jesus did not mention that seems oddly uh, interesting at least to me in this scenario which is the one I guess I would have started out with love the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all thy soul with all thy being and have no other gods before him especially those distractions he never mentioned that one I wonder why I wonder why I didn't start out with that one that Jesus could have told him right there could have gotten him told he would have Jesus was trying to get him saved, not get him told. Have you gone to the right source? Finding those words in the Bible will be the right source. Understanding what God would have us do as people would be the right source. Have you asked the right questions? The ones about your eternity that really matter. Have you gotten the right answer? If you trust within the Word of God, you have gotten the right answer. Have you heard all those things that God would have you do to hear and to believe, to repent of your sin, confess that Jesus is the Christ, be baptized in water for the remission of your sins, and be raised to walk in a newness of life and, and live a faithful life? Have you heard all of those things and yet still made the wrong choice? I have great news for you today. Are you ready? God has allowed time to continue. Which means you don't and I don't have to stay in those wrong choices. We have time and opportunity today to change into the right choice. We have time and opportunity today to put away those those distractions, to listen to what the source of truth would tell me, to be obedient unto that, 
to live a faithful life unto God and to be counted with the faithful. It all depends on how you will respond to God's invitation. God's invitation has been open for a very long time. As a matter of fact, Jesus reiterates it in, in uh, Matthew chapter 11, verses 29 and following. He said uh, that you come unto me and I'll give you rest. And that his yoke is easy and that his burden is light. That invitation to come to God will remain open until the Lord returns to claim His own. That is a great statement for us to know. But let me tell you the side of this that's somewhat scary. While that uh, invitation remains open, we don't know how long it's going to remain open. We don't know how long it will be till Jesus returns. You and I need to be ready. For that return. You and I need to be ready to see him pierce back through those clouds. Have you made the right choice or the wrong choice? If, in fact, you've never put on Christ in baptism, you haven't made the right choice yet. But you can. It's as simple as following his instructions, being washed, washed of your sins and living an obedient life, you can be a faithful child of His today. Maybe you've done those and yet you say, but I have still made some wrong choices. Then brother or sister, come back home right now while we stand and while we sing for your encouragement. Amen. Oh.